Hi everyone and welcome to the Sanya Faruqi show. Joining us today we have a journalist from India, Nidhi Rasan. She's an award-winning journalist who worked with India's leading broadcaster NDTV for 21 years where she rose to the position of executive editor. She has now moved on to academia as director for strategic programs and outreach in Geetham University which has campuses in Hyderabad, Visakhapatnam and Bangalore. She's also visiting faculty at the newly set up Kautilya School of Public Policy. which is part of Geetham as a journalist nidhi has extensively covered indian politics and foreign policy reporting from pakistan pakistan occupied kashmir afghanistan china tibet and more she is the recipient of the prestigious ramnath goenka award for excellence in journalism for her reporting from jammu and kashmir and the international press institute award in 2019 among others nidhi anchored ndtv's flagship primetime show and her first book was published by penguin in 2017 nidhi thank you so much it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the sanya faruqi show today thank you so much sanya lovely to meet you here um so nidhi you were with ndtv for 21 years tell us a little about your journey as a journalist working in television news in india and we would love to know a little about ndtv as well how is it when you started and also how the media space in india changed over the years well uh when i started in ndtv it was in 1999 and primarily the only really good private news channel at that time was ndtv at that time it was star news on the star news platform so uh it was very exciting there were a lot of resources in terms of budgets to travel we could spend more time doing stories you didn't have the kind of break you know the 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 kind of competition now you do minute by minute with other channels so that gave us a lot of space as reporters to work on our stories you know to spend you could spend an entire week for example doing a 5 minute piece for the sunday show which was a one hour magazine format you know rather than just Uh, trying to churn out something every few hours so uh, things that way were um, you know much much more relaxed in that sense it was hard work but uh, you know you could put in a lot of time and effort uh, ndtv of course was a dream uh, to to sort of work in i i um, the first time i went to ndtv actually to apply for an internship i was rejected and i was told we don't take interns and uh, the gentleman who said that to me i keep reminding him till today <laughs> him, yeah. uh, that this is what you said to me but you know 6 months after i came there were interviews for a whole bunch of reporters and uh, a couple of us were selected in that and uh, you know then it just went on from there but um, you know things changed so much i mean i just saw everything change in the last 20 years from that pace that i talked about to now where you know trps which i think at the moment are suspended thankfully in the whole ratings race and the way the media landscape changed especially after uh, 2611 etc uh, and also unfortunately for a lot of news channels including for ndtv uh, resources money budgets made things much more difficult so uh, that's also impacted on the kind of uh, programming one you know has had to do you can see more and more channels doing the whole debate format because it's cheaper it's easier and uh, with an, with the exception of ndtv which it does the best that it can with the with the limited resources uh, most people don't do the kind of ground reporting that one would hope to see uh, on indian tv so that's kind of encapsulates all of it but i i would say ndtv was my choice when i first uh, got into broadcasting and there is no other channel that comes close nice no one 
Yeah. But when it comes to newsrooms and practicing ethical journalism, the space, like you said, is already very limited, very challenging. And for women in the industry, there are a lot of gender-based attacks that also, also take place within the workspace, talking about hostile and abusive work environments. Do you think that has increased with time? Or is it just that today women are making a lot more noise compared to what they did before, just to be able to do their works? I, I think I was fortunate to have worked in a newsroom where actually uh, it was a very healthy working space for women. And in fact, uh, as an organization, NDTV has always been very women driven. And our top editors, our top editorial uh, management, etc. Uh, have been women and right from the beginning. Uh, so if you look at whether it's um, our CEO, uh, Suparna Singh, editorial director, Sonia Singh, Radhika Roy, of course, but our managing editor, Manika Raik, where I was the executive editor. And th that's how the anchoring also actually panned out on prime time also. So I think in a way we lived in a bubble because I haven't worked anywhere else except for an internship briefly when I began. So I didn't face what I know are genuine struggles that other women journalists do face in difficult newsrooms. And you do hear about it. And um, you know about the sort of mansplaining that goes on. Uh, uh, and you hear about the fact that often um, you know, women reporters are not given the kind of uh, assignments or not, or not taken as seriously on political reporting or defense reporting in that sense in, 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 in other newsrooms, though that's not a general statement that one can make because you do see fantastic uh, women uh, on the beat, whether it's you know, defense or MEA in particular, foreign, the foreign ministry, which I covered, which is full of the best reporters are women reporters in print and TV. But, uh, you know, there are challenges that women are facing in newsrooms. I think women, yes, are more willing to talk about this and come forward. And I think the Me Too movement particularly helped a lot of women in this space across, in, across professions yeah. find their voices, you know, and, and made, I think, and I hope, have made organizations a little more accountable uh, and more responsible in how they deal with these issues. But when it came to the online space, you did face a lot of harassment. There were a lot of online trolling that you you got and the recent phishing incident that took place. Tell us a little about what happened and why do you think you were being targeted? Uh, with, the, with, that, uh, with the attack? Yeah. What happened with me was a cyber attack. It wasn't actually a phishing attack. And uh, more details will emerge about, uh, about that in the public space. I'm hoping that comes out sooner than later. Uh, but uh, there is a cybersecurity expert. In fact, he, uh, he, uh, the police have registered an FIR within days of my complaint. Uh, meanwhile, a private cybersecurity firm also helped me. There were a couple of them. And uh, we found that it was one of the most sophisticated uh, attacks where I was not the only target. I have made it. I have made my experience public, but most people are scared to make their experience public simply because of the kind of response you get from the rest of um, of people around you. So I didn't want to lie about it. I wanted to be honest about it, and it was a very scary experience because I spent nearly a year, literally meeting, talking, having conversations with what I thought was real people with real documents and what I, you know, it, it wasn't just one email that came and said, hey, click on this, you've got a job, you know? So uh, it, it wasn't as simple as that. And that's why it was scary. And what the cyber uh, sort of investigation has found is that it, it looks like it involves foreign players. Uh, and it, it was a very scary cyber attack. Uh, I've heard crazy stories from other people who've gone through similar experiences, but people don't want to share that 
because they fear getting trolled or getting mocked. Yeah. I, to be honest, it's a very unpleasant experience. I'm used to being trolled, so that doesn't matter. But um, I have been the victim of a very horrible crime. Yeah. And I am not going to be embarrassed for being the victim of a crime. I'm proud that I was able to stand up and speak the truth about it. And the idea behind it was to be honest about it and hopefully help other people who have been through something even remotely similar to this to have the courage to go to the cops or do something about it and not to feel embarrassed about it. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, I can't use bad language. So bad things happen to people, you know, things happen. Yeah. So, uh, so you deal with it. And I think how you deal with it is more important than, you know, what happens. Uh, but I hope it serves as a lesson. And if it can help even one person out there yeah. who's been through a bad experience, then it's worth, worth speaking up. Any kind of violence and hostility against women, whether it is online and offline, is often deeply rooted misogyny and patriarchy. Do you think one of the reasons that you were attacked, of course, it's because you are a journalist and the kind of stories that you're doing, but also you got attacked more because of your gender? Obviously. I mean, uh, I think that there is a certain ecosystem that doesn't like independent, outspoken women at all. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, that includes women trolls as well because they have a certain, they belong to a certain ideology that doesn't like um, women who have an open mind or who may not agree with their ideology. So they will go and they'll be the first to sort of attack you and try to take you down and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's easy to say that one should have a thick skin. One has developed a thicker skin over time. There are often things that can be very hurtful. Uh, but um, I think the most important thing is, and you realize that, that uh, what, if you have a good family and a support structure and, and good friends around you, uh, I actually realized through my, from my, that whole cyber experience that there were a lot more well-wishers who messaged me and wrote to me and called me than any of the crap that was out there or as far as trolls were concerned. And, you know, I, I'm going to walk away with that. For me, that's, that's the most important thing. I don't expect anything better from trolls who... Uh, who and, and you know the, they think that the worst thing that they can tell you as a woman is you know talk about your uh, private life or make insinuations about who you may or may not be seeing big deal get a life I mean yeah. what do I say and they're mostly paid as well to do and say that so whatever that I mean too bad uh, but Reporters Without Borders in its Press Freedom Index ranked India 142 among 180 countries and said India is a dangerous country for journalists. You've worked as a journalist for over two decades. Was it always the case? Was India a dangerous country for journalists? And what has changed over the years? Well, look, I, you know, I, I don't believe in making false equivalences. Okay, so I'm really sick of watching even esteemed colleagues of ours in the profession, you know, who will say, but, you know, the same thing used to happen back then. I'm sorry. But the fact is, in the last few years, and post-2014 in particular, we've definitely seen a greater attempt to put pressure on the media in, in ways that I have not experienced before. There are things that haven't been made public about the kind of phone calls that happen, you know, the kind of files that are kept in the ministry, 
uh, everything is tagged, everything is monitored. Uh, you, you can see that it's very, very visible. Look at the way most of our TV channels behave. They are an embarrassment to the profession. Uh, they are not journalists as far as I'm concerned. Uh, or any or any right thinking journalist would be uh, so there is that but more than that look we 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 are talking about examples in sort of a big city india which are very visible and have a voice the way reporters are being hounded with fir's and false cases in small towns yeah. for stories that they are doing and exposing like in up for example uh, that kind of harassment is like next level and just completely unjustified and uncalled for uh, the Siddi Kappan case. Uh, there are so many other cases like this, you know, where it's just out and out harassment, you throw sedition cases. And the sad part is that I feel as an institution, the judiciary has actually failed us in upholding our rights. It's trying to speak up now. I don't know if it's doing enough, uh, but they have a lot to make up for. So, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not surprised that we have that pathetic ranking uh, as far as the Press Freedom Index is concerned. And please, uh, I mean, I wrote a column on this as well uh, recently. Uh, the government, which pretends it doesn't care about these in indices and all these surveys, etc., cares very much. They lobbied very hard to get India's rankings up in this particular index, and it didn't happen. So let's not pretend that they don't care. They do. And it reflects really poorly on us uh, as a democracy. But why has India launched a war on press freedom? I honestly think that this is a government that really doesn't, it's very thin skinned, it's, in, it's insecure. Um, you know, it's, and that surprises me because they have a very strong mandate. In fact, their mandate became stronger in 2019. So I don't understand why they are uh, as thin skinned and insecure as they are. So for them, democracy means only praise of the leadership, only praise of the government schemes, in nation building, uh, they would like to define what nationalism is for all of us, what nationalism should mean for all of us. So the media must fall in line. It must, the communication must be one way. So you will do, you know, you know, the monkey baths, etc. But you will not take questions from media that may not necessarily uh, see eye to eye with you. Uh, so uh, I, I, I just think it comes from a deep sense of insecurity and the need to control the narrative all the time, to manage headlines all the time. And if you have a government that is obsessed only with that, then things like the COVID second wave happen where you take your eye off the ball and you're only interested in managing the narrative rather than actually doing something about the problems uh, that confront this country, which are massive. So uh, I, I think that's where it stems from. That's it. Um, coming back to the kind of work that you do, tell us a little about how easy or difficult it is for you as a journalist who's under constant threats and attacks to do your job. How do you cope? How do you process? And how do you get back to doing your job after that? Well, to be honest, uh, I haven't faced the kind of threats, literally physical threats that I've seen some of our colleagues in the media face like Rana, Ayub or others who frankly, I mean, the kind of things that they've gone through are unspeakable, uh, unspeakably horrible and uh, hats off, you know, to them for their courage and for being able to continue. So I, I think I've been fortunate. Yeah, I get trolled. Uh, but, you know, you just you just um, pick, pick, pick up and move on. I mean, it's not a popularity contest. Uh, it never will be. And I think, honestly, if trolls started uh, uh, praising you, then uh, and I get trolled on every side, actually, because well, we know that the BJP trolls don't like me at all. But um, the Congress trolls actually showed that they were really catching up on the sort of mediocrity index. If you criticize their leadership, 
and then the Ahmadmi Party trolls are a different sort of lot altogether. So I think when we get trolled by all sides, we're doing something right. Right. Um, and I know the internet likes to box people into black and white and right and wrong and liberal and conservative. And I'm glad that I, you know, uh, I'm definitely not conservative. I'm definitely a liberal and I'm proud of it. For me, it's not a dirty word. I am a liberal, secular Indian. And you cannot, you know, define what it means to be Indian to me. You can't shove that down my throat with your own definitions. Uh, but, um, you know, you just move on. Okay, and moving on, you've shifted to academia. So tell us how that's been for you. Do you miss the newsroom? Uh, I do miss it sometimes. Uh, and it, it's not like, um, you know, I'm ruling out uh, returning to it. Uh, but for now, I think this was just a nice to take a step back. Because I have, to be honest, for the last couple of years, uh, been a little tired of it's, it's a, you know how it is. And 24 hour television in particular is exhausting. Uh, the nine o'clock slot is exhausting. Uh, I wanted to try and just slow down and take a step back and just breathe. And I think that this opportunity, which I've got to work with a really nice group of people who are very idealistic. And, um, you know, I, I'm, going, I'm teaching a course on media and policy, uh, which I will be teaching at Cotillia. And it's been very exciting to sit down with them and design the course. And this has been new. And I felt that if I didn't try something new at this age and challenge myself and learn a new skill, then I would never do it because it's easy to become comfortable with what you're doing. Uh, but of course, uh, for me, news is in my heart. Uh, NDTV is in my heart. It's my home. Uh, and that will always be there. So we're running out of time. So my last question is, what would your advice be for journalists living and working in India today? I would say just, you know, go out there. Uh, if you have a passion for it, um, it's it's the best profession to be in. And, and ad admittedly, with many more challenges today, uh, not least because of the fact that it's, you know, mentally and physically exhausting, but also uh, you may find that the organizations you work for uh, don't necessarily follow the ethical practices that journalists should uphold. Uh, what I find heartening is that there are lots of people now branching out independent of sort of the mainstream space and are still making an impact. It may be a niche impact, but like something like what Faye is doing, Faye D'Souza uh, and others, you know, just, just creating their own space online. Um, hats off to them, you know, because uh, that gives you hope that, uh, you know, that technology today has empowered us in ways what you're doing also. You know, you, it's, it's, you don't have to be in the typical Indian mainstream space to make an impact anymore. And that's great. Uh, and so embrace that. I would advise you to, to just remember that journalism is not a job. It's, it's your life. So only do it if you know that that is what you will live and breathe because that's the only way to really succeed in it. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, Nidhi, on that note, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure speaking to you and having you on the Sanya show today. Thank you so much, Sanya, and good luck. Thank you. And for those of you who've tuned in, thank you so much for watching. I hope you will subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. And do subscribe to our newsletter to get all the updates on the Sanya Faruqi show. I'm going to see you again next week. Thank you for watching.